Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. Conversation. We're going to do that with a couple of individuals who have done it, but also started in a horrible spot. We have the one and only Dion from Dion Talk, who started with $313,000 in debt, getting divorced, and taking sole responsibility for three kids. We've got the lumberjack landlord who starts his journey by dropping out of the ninth grade, which, you know, Maybe not the best idea for most people, but he made it work. And of course, I lost 80% of my stack being stupid in the stock market. So guys, I want to talk about getting rich AF. I want to talk about your stories. I want to talk about really, really getting it done on 50K a year because I think it is possible. But the step one is you have to know you, you the individual are in an economic system. And if you don't understand the system, the system is going to freaking run you over. And that is why people are broke. That is why people live in paycheck to paycheck. They don't respect the system. They don't understand the system. And they wonder why they are miserable. Dion, $313,000 in debt. Let's talk about that and how you started chunking that off. So the first thing is it's awesome to go through a divorce and then find out about the debt that you didn't know existed. In a community property state where our debt becomes my debt when they file bankruptcy. And uh, so the, the reason I always bring up the amount of the debt is I ended up having to pay off $89,000 in that debt because I was able to negotiate with the lenders. Uh, luckily, one of them asked me, you know, since your ex filed for bankruptcy, do you plan on filing for bankruptcy? Because if you do, we'll take 20% of what you owe. I was like, you, you what? You what? Basically, yeah. we did a whole list of everybody we owed and got that knocked down a bunch. So if you find yourself in a bunch of debt before you just start trying to figure out how to chunk it down, call them and negotiate. For the first eight years of investing, I, th I think I had one year above $50,000 in income. Hmm. So yeah, when we talked about can you get rich AF on a low income and not in a good starting position, I think it is absolutely possible, especially when you figure out what rich is. And for me, it's not having to work and being able to do what I want and live the lifestyle that I want, right? And and so some people have a lifestyle where $100,000 a month is not enough, yeah. right? So that person, I don't know that they might ever be rich. <laughs> Whereas versus I need four or $5,000 a month to basically travel to the countries I want to and scuba dive where I want to and never need to work again. So when the cash flow passed 16,000, much more and that's per month so that was multiples of what i made most of my working career i've been in the marines law enforcement and a truck driver and as a cdl instructor i started making 17 dollars an hour so i really had a, an easy target to replace income mm -hmm. but financial freedom came from buying cash flowing assets not allowing life creep to come in for those eight years once the cash flow from the rentals started to stack, because we we often talk about it's a 10-year journey, and at the end of 10 years, you'll have, if you just bought one rental every two years, you'd have five. But what we forget is, if you bought one in 10 years, that, that property will have 10 years of rental appreciation, principal pay down, that, and, and uh, your rents go up, your, your, your value of the property goes up. The next one that you bought two years later will have eight years of appreciation and the next one will have six and four so you, you have this compounding structure of real wealth is possible for somebody not making a lot of money not in a good starting position that maybe even has some bad debt to tackle whether they created it or not but it's a 10-year journey yeah. and and, and the, the killer for most people is if you were starting today if, if you're the person who luckily found this video today first time watching one rental at a time and you think i, I totally want to do this that you read the book you listen to the book and it talks about getting to four. That first one, if you start today, 
could be up to two years from now. Yeah. You've got to save, get your credit right, work in the same industry for a period of time. And it's it's not like you just, you found the channel and tomorrow you buy a rental. Yeah, totally agree. Well, Matt, uh, you know, one of the things in the system, uh, a lot of people, myself included, were taught to go to school, get a good job, go back to school, get another degree, climb the corporate ladder, eventually retire on, you know, 40%. You said F that and decided <laughs> to leave school early. Uh, so again, talk about that experience. You know, it's not something I would think you would hope for your children. I think that's fair to say, but it is part of your journey. And, you know, ninth grade dropout, man, let's, let's talk about that. Worker drones. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> I think this is, this is the biggest challenge, right? Is that it was what was right for me. You know, Zuckerberg dropped out as a freshman Gates. I mean, all these super superstars, right. That made multi-billion dollar companies. They got through high school. They didn't get through college, you know, and 85% of people don't use the degree that they got in the job that they have. Mm -hmm. 85%. Like give me an 85 on anything, including a test. And I'm pretty happy. Yeah, me too. I'll yeah, take a B. Pretty, yeah, I'm good. I'll take the B. Give me the B. So, <laughs> so when I look at that, I sit there and I say 85%. That means 85% of people made a bad decision. Think about that. Because there's nothing more crippling in your 20s than college debt. Nothing more crippling. Yeah. And I get it. Engineers, lawyers, like people actually think that I think college is unnecessary. No, it's unnecessary for most of the jobs. If you want to be a lawyer, if you want to be a doctor, yeah, I want you to have gone to amazing yeah. medical school. I do. Me too. Me too. If I have you defending or or prosecuting a case for me, I want you to have gone to a really good school. Mm -hmm. Those are all important things, right? Or I want you to certainly at least done really well, not mm -hmm. caring necessarily that much about the school. But when we look at things, and, and I think that that's the mistake that people make is that to Dion's point, you could make the decision today that this is what you're going to do and you likely have a year or two worth of work to do. And people will tap out in that process before they ever get to evaluating properties. They will tap out. And I'm not saying that you need to wait two years. I'm just saying that you need to have your ducks in a row. And so what that really means is, guys, quiz time. What is the average car payment in 2023? The numbers came out. What is the average car payment in 2023? I, I it's cheating because I was watching your live stream the other day, Matt. So I'll let Mike answer. I have no idea. I did not see that. I'll go 987. Just so it's almost that with insurance oh. now. Okay. All right. Okay. Wow. So it's about 750 bucks for the car payment and insurance averages about 200 bucks a month now. You so go. you're call it, call it about a G whiz, right? You're yep. about a thousand bucks a month. What the hell are you doing people? a thousand dollars a month are you are you kidding me are you high <laughs> my first car cost barely over a thousand bucks and that was honestly my secret to success is i drove shit boxes forever yeah i drove junk cars even when i was making you know when i was having my best years ever making six figures i was driving a 1992 Pontiac Bonneville with 145,000 miles with a failing transmission that would jerk every single time I tried to get into third gear every single time. But I paid 1500 bucks for that car. Yeah. I put 130,000 miles on that car and I sold it for a thousand bucks, $500, the maintenance bills, people need to focus financially because Mike is right. You are part of a system. And you are either a powerful, useful cog in the system, or you're the grunge at the bottom of the machine that just doesn't matter. It's the throw off from all the gears doing work. Yeah. I know that hits some people between the eyes. Well, but let's talk but again. I think it's really important, right? Because I want people to know, I truly believe to Dion's point, you can be rich as, yes. you know, on 50K a year, which is 100%. roughly four grand a month, but you have... You have to acknowledge the system and avoid the trap. So let's go to education first. I, I believe, as the you know, as someone on the of the three of us who has the most education, right? I went to get we a four-year degree and get a master's degree. Um, that I don't think education, like a college degree, is right for most people. I, mean, I want people to do an ROI analysis. Yes. If you're gonna go to school and you're gonna sign up for X amount of debt. What is your payback period? How long will it take you to pay that back? 
And if you're looking at that as a decade, I don't know about you, but that's too long, right? Yeah. If you could get it done in four or five years, you know, that, that kind of feels okay to me. But to your point, on the other side of that, it's got to be engineer, computer scientist, you know, whatever. If you're going to go get a teaching degree and get a PhD in teaching, and take out $225,000 in debt and then be upset you make 60 grand a year. Exactly. You can't do an ROI analysis. I mean, right. that's just that's on you. Stop right. asking for a bailout when you when you knew the math. Mm -hmm. Right? So, and then the other thing about education as the person who has the most, the only class of all of my degrees that I point at today and say that changed my life was a public speaking class. So there are things that you could take kind of one-off that will make you better, right? Be a high value skill. Yep. Um, I want people to look at education entirely differently. Why don't we go to Dion first? What do you think of all that? So about a week ago, I entered a, interviewed a guy, Bob, who lost his vision when he was 20. And he's been investing for about 20 years, has 260 rental units. Him and his spouse self-manage. In the interview, baller. he actually, what's that? I said baller. Yeah. No, he's killing it. And in the interview, he said, I'm successful because of sixth grade math. Hmm. If you can add, subtract, multiply, divide, figure out what your yield is, that's what you need for this. And sometimes a cost analysis of which is the best, you know, the cheaper the, the cost of a project versus just the price. But a lot of people associate education with income. And it's because we spend the first 12 years of our education for most people around the only person in the class, the teacher, what do they understand about money? You, you join a union, you work for a pension, you get the degree to get into the pension. I mean, this is what we've heard for all of those years. So when we hear somebody go out and say, I want to start a business, you hear about all the risks. You hear nine out of 10 fail. And then in the next five years, nine of those 10 that succeeded the first year fail. And it's, it's so hard to understand why so many people don't understand our tax system when, and, and I talked about this the other day with some people, the, the cash flow quadrant. We literally have the government, the IRS telling you, here's what we want you to do. And everyone is fighting the IRS. The IRS and the government doesn't want employees. People think, oh, we need employees. They're the backbone of the country. No, they're punished. We're the, the Fed is actively trying to raise unemployment to curb inflation, right? They, they had a goal of getting it up to a certain number. They're saying, we're raising interest rates so that companies will lay people off. Mm -hmm. And you think people are going to benefit by saying, I'm going to go be an employee, which both Mike and I are, we're, right? We're not entrepreneurs, we're, we're employees. And then people think, well, I'm going to go and start my own business. So they become a self-employed person and the government punishes you more. Now you play, pay the employer side, the employee side, mm -hmm. and, and that most of that changed in 1986. So a lot of us have parents who the right thing to do was become a lawyer or a doctor, open your own practice, and the tax laws benefited you in 1986. That changed. And so now we have a whole generation thinking education to get this degree, to be self-employed, and then the government punishes you more. They pay like 60% in taxes. And now you have people that will move over to running a business. If you have a lot of employees and you generate a lot of income, the, the government wants that, the IRS wants that, but not as much as they want investors. We need infrastructure, we need innovation, we need housing. And so when you get into innovation, you know, an R&D, an R&D tax write-off is a one-for-one. One. Yeah, you spend a dollar, you don't pay a dollar in taxes. It's not like if I have a dollar in expenses, I save my whatever tax bracket I'm in. So they want innovation and we need housing. So they go, look, if you buy houses, and you fix them up and you rent them out, you can be like Dion, make $200,000 in profit in a year and carry forward a loss on paper. Yeah, pretty so amazing. That's what I think our education system needs to change is, what does the government want? Hmm. Maybe do that. Yeah, well, let's switch it up. Again, I think education is a system. I think there is a right way and a wrong way, uh, but I think it's it's been too long, kind of go to school, get a good job, make a lot of money. It's, it's just not right today for a lot of people. But let's talk about the largest expense outside of taxes. We will come back to that in a minute. Let's talk about housing. 
-hmm. part of both of your journeys was really early acknowledgement that if you lived for free, you would have more disposable income and you could start stacking. And I think if you're going to live on 50K a year, if you could take your housing costs to zero or negative, meaning it's paying you, all the better. Matt, tell us about what's called house hacking. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, you know, again, you look at it and the more you can delay and deny yourself the I've made it purchases, exactly. the better off you are. I like, deserve. I deserve. I deserve. Oh. deserve a kick in the pants. Like <laughs> you don't deserve anything. You uh, choose, you choose how you want to reward yourself. You know, for me, it was a dollar menu at McDonald's. For me, it was Cumberland Farms hot dogs. Yeah, I get it. That's how I'm built. And mm -hmm. so what? And so that was my reward. But when Mike talks about it, when we look at your housing expense, it's the same exact thing. I was making enough money to have a $1,500 apartment. I could have had a $1,500 apartment, but I didn't, mm. you know, I bought a condo based on having a buddy of mine signing a lease already getting ready to rent. And so I was saying, what can I afford with him and make my, you know, make my purchase that much more impactful versus what can I do on my own? And this is what other countries and the generations of these other countries have figured out that Americans don't understand. They don't get it. They don't get it. We yeah, see I, it all the time with Guatemalans, Vietnamese, Indians. We see it all the time where they have multi-generation living in a much larger house. You know, yeah. four and five bedrooms where they have three generations under the same roof. Guatemalans, where they have eight guys there. I'm like, hey, that's kind of a concern, guys. Like the water bill is going to be crazy. Like we'll pay for the water bill. Mm. Done. Will you pay yeah. for sewer too? Yep, I'll pay for it. So when you look at your life expenses, when you talk about housing, when you talk about how expensive that is, yeah, you need to house hack. And that means putting yourself in a position where... You know, you're at home, you have roommates. You're at college, you have roommates. You finish college and all of a sudden you think you're entitled to your own space. Mm -hmm. Don't be, don't be dumb. Yeah. Still have roommates because I got news for you. When you go out on your own, it's not going to be very long. And then you're going to get married or you get a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever. And guess what? Then you have a roommate again. Mm -hmm. And then you get married and then you have kids and then you have obnoxious roommates, little, little <laughs> petri <loud>. dishes, little <laughs> petri dishes that are loud all the time and make you sick constantly. Five months a year, you're sick, especially in the Northeast. Yeah. And so when people need to look at this, they need to understand how much money did I save? Forget about the income side, just the savings side. How much money did I save staying a roommate? We had a set of guys that were brilliantly smart. They all got into a place in their sophomore year in college. I was their roommate until they were all 24 and 25. Every single one of those guys left that house buying a house. There you go. They all did. And I was like, guys, you were brilliant. You were brilliant. They're like, Matt, we liked living with each other. It wasn't ideal all the time. But we all, that one final year, they all moved out and bought a house, had a girlfriend that they moved in with, but made some sort of big financial transaction because they were living on 600 bucks a month. It was 2,400 to stay there, but they were living on 600 bucks a month. That's what people need to do. They need to make that hard decision earlier on in life. What I hate about college, what I hate about this is that everybody's being asked to make these massive compounding interest lifetime decisions at 18 years old. Yeah. Yeah. When we talk about housing again, right. I happen to live in the Silicon Valley, you know, lots of engineers, computer scientists. And, and sure. um, I saw friends of mine, co coworkers, uh, direct reports and managers over a decade or two move two or three times. Yeah. Right. They went from the condo to the house, to the sure. bigger house. Sure. And, you know, those are significant purchases and all they're doing is signing up for bigger mortgage payments, bigger tax payments, bigger insurance, bigger energy. Da, 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 da. The one thing that Olivia and I got right, we didn't house hack, but we never moved. We got our starter condo and we still have it today. Yep. 24 years later, it's choices. It's absolutely choices. So again, 
housing. Let's go back to taxes because Dion brought this up. We'll go back to Dion. One of the things I'm trying to push full-time employees to think about is how they could turn their passion into a side hustle, a small business, a solopreneur. And oh, by the way, if you do that, Dion, you can take some of your monthly expenses from quote unquote below the line to above the line. And I don't think enough people appreciate how impactful that simple change is. So Dan, talk about taxes a little bit. So I keep, we keep saying you should start a YouTube channel. You should start, whatever the business is. I have a friend who ran a cleaning service business. Sure, sure. And a hundred square feet of your house becomes an office. Yep. So now that you're, you're below the line, above the line, all of a sudden that becomes a tax write-up. Your vehicle that you use related to the business. So part of the insurance related to the business, part of the cell phone related to the business, part of the internet related to your business. When you make a YouTube channel and you invest in real estate, you could take a two month trip to Portugal. Mm-hmm. It is a complete 100, almost everything from that trip becomes a tax off because it was related to both the things that my income comes from. It's, it's almost like it's cheating. And, and not to be political, but I think one of the best things I've ever heard a politician say is one politician said, you use the tax code to not pay taxes. And the other politician says, of course I do. That's what it's there for. That's what it's there for. It's illegally not, and just like all of the other person's donors, don't pay taxes too. So, try to be as unsighted. We can say who said it. Yeah, I'm not on on Mike's channel. On my channel, I'll say that tonight on my live stream. Um, so with taxes, here here comes the importance of house hacking, and and there's a there's an economy of scale when we think of house hacking, and there is a time house hacking makes more sense than at other times. Mike and I are a perfect example. I was making thirty to thirty five thousand dollars a year at seventeen bucks an hour. So if I can get overtime, I can make more. Let's say I can save half my income, take out taxes, 30,000. I could save 15 grand if I could save 50% of my income. Mike, you and Olivia both had good jobs, making way more money than me. And you you were spending it all and you realized we got to fix that. And then you got it down to where you were living on half, saving half. If I house hacked, which I did, right? I moved into from an apartment into my duplex and my housing went from 1,500 down to 300. I was saving $1,200 a month. Mm-hmm. That was basically the same as being able to save half my income. Oh, for sure. Which if you're making $30,000 a year, you're not saving half your income. No. Not with three kids, right? You're just, uh-uh. it's, it's, you, it's possible, right? You might, you might die from malnourishment, but I wouldn't recommend it. So the less you make, the more important house hacking is. And on the other side of it, the higher cost of living area you live in, the more important house hacking is no matter what your income is. Absolutely. Taxes are the same way. There are there are people who think, there are people who say this because I had several employees. I don't want to work overtime this pay period because they'll take more out in taxes. <laughs> I, I, I've heard that, I want to say a hundred times in the last I've, decade. I've heard, I've heard similar. Yeah. Yes, I've heard that. It's not good. So, and I said this once before on a video, the owner of the CDL school I worked at sold it to new employees, no new owners. I grew it for a decade and they went from 60,000 in profit one year to 9 million. They almost hit the 10 million, a lot of different numbers there. Hmm. The one who sold it said, oh, I'm so glad I got out. I would never want to pay that much in taxes. No. Ah! Uh, you know what? You give me nine million bucks, I'll pay the taxes. I, I promise you. I promise you, I'll pay the taxes. Right. Well, the and, other th- and you go ahead. No, I was just gonna. I was gonna pivot. So you want to close on that? Right. No, I was just gonna say that. That's the problem with when we come to expenses like housing and, t- and taxes. Is the average person doesn't understand. I would say ninety nine percent of people don't yeah. understand them, and we get our information from those ninety nine percent of people. So yeah. thus far, we've talked about educate. Again, I want people to realize if you want to get rich, you have to realize where the system is. So we've talked about the education system. We've talked about housing. We've just talked touched on taxes, but there is more. I want to talk about something that's probably more, more relevant today 
than any time in my adulthood. And that is where you live. Right. One of the things that we've learned since the pandemic is a lot more people can be remote. And let's be clear, remote doesn't have to be U.S. You could be in Costa Rica or wherever, right? Anywhere there's good fiber and connectivity, you can really live where you want and invest where the numbers make sense. Uh, I happen to have chosen the Silicon Valley because it paid really, really well. I was one of the few sales executives who was anchored in the Valley at these tech companies. So that was always a good thing. But a lot of people, none of the other people that worked for me were in the Bay. They were all over the country in much, 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 much cheaper areas. So, um, Matt, why don't we go back to you and just talk about, you know what, maybe, maybe move, maybe choose to live in a cheaper space. If you want to get rich, AF, maybe it's where you choose to live. Uh, yes, it is. Hence why I live in New Hampshire and not Boston, Massachusetts. There you go. My house in Boston, Massachusetts would be eight times the price. Wow. Maybe 10. If you could find it. If I could find it. Geography doesn't really impress me. Right. Just doesn't. And so for me, you know, as we looked at it, you know, I lived down in the city and I was paying, you know, the most, I was just thinking as Dion was talking, the most expensive place I ever lived in was my condo purchase. My portion was $1,200 a month. Mm. And that was at 23, 24 years old. The next time that my expenses were $1,200 a month, I was 40 living in a single family home that I promised my wife. Right. You, that made, was that, the next you time. made that choice. Choice. For a and, decade. Correct. And er, 17 years, 16 right. years, a long time. And so as we looked at it, you know, people are like, well, housing's unaffordable. Not necessarily. Not everywhere. There's not a bunch of empty houses, smart guys. There's not a bunch of empty houses. So if the houses are full, here's the newsflash. They're not unaffordable. You can't afford them. That's the truth. So for me, I can't afford my house in Boston. Right. But I want what my house has. I want acreage. I want a pool for my kids. I want space so I can have a studio and a, and an office and my own bathroom so my kids don't bother me. Like, yeah. those are the opportunities that I have. But where did I have to get that? I wasn't like, Boston is just so unaffordable. It's so unfair. Hmm. No, I didn't. I was like, you know what? I also love New Hampshire because it's where I'm from, but I don't have to pay crazy income taxes or yeah. sales taxes. So I looked at it and I said, where am I going to live? I need to be somewhere where I have all the things that I want, but also close enough to the office where I can go into the office when I need to. Right. And then I made job, job choices that didn't have me on the road like Mike, 80% of the time, 90% of the time. I made, I made a choice. Could I have been on the road all the time? I got those job offers five times a month. Yeah. But I wanted to be at home. I wanted to work from home. I wanted travel to be occasional, not guaranteed and 80% of my day. Mm -hmm. So you get there by picking that less expensive area, by picking that different job. What you have to look at is cost relative to your income. That's why in New Hampshire, we have a ton of people that live on our Southern border that commute into Massachusetts because it's about 40 minutes away to get to what's called Silicon Alley. It's 40 minutes away. They rather spend that 40 minutes in the car driving each way every single day because they get four times the house for the same money in that area and their life. They get paid like they live in mass, but they live in New Hampshire. And so go. they make a lot more money and we don't have a state income tax. So these are the decisions that people have to make and they've made their decision that fits them best. It wasn't, Damn the torpedoes. We're living close to close to my work. Cause I don't want to live 10 minutes away. That's fine. That might keep you poor forever based yeah. on the location that you choose. No, I couldn't agree more. And Dion, something you brought up in past episodes that I don't think any other economist has talked about is since the pandemic, these housing affordability numbers are just flat out wrong because as Matt highlights, we're, we're, we're importing people from, in this case, Boston, to New Hampshire, which is distorting the bait, you know, the local numbers. Mm -hmm. It's going to take years to figure this out. But yes. again, 
it might be unaffordable to local locals, but it's not an unaffordable to tech workers on Silicon Alley. A lot of that's happening. Yep. And and here's how I turn that into my most recent purchase, as far as real estate goes. And this is how people, if you want to get rich AF, like this video is talking about, remote work around the large cities. So not the people who have a completely 100% remote, my, my niece and my nephew, in-law, uh, one of them, moved to Texas because her job can live anywhere. It's all on the computer. It's never been in an office, right? So they can live anywhere. But the people who are in the city that have to come in once or twice a week instead of five days can move out another 35, 40 minutes. Yeah. So rents have pushed up. 35, 40 minutes out from where I was investing, rents have pushed up almost 30%. Mm. Home prices haven't. Mm -hmm. Because okay. the remote workers that are working out of the office two or three days a week don't want to buy. Yeah. Their office could call them back to the office full time starting next year. It happened to Michelle, who watches our channel and actually is in the middle of an awesome 1031 exchange right now. So congrats, Michelle. Michelle. But her company's calling her back into the office starting this month, I believe, was the wow. what I heard. So I looked out that 35, 40 minutes. I found deals that with the new rents that some of the investors weren't tracking because it's remote workers coming in. I got a great deal that hit my, my numbers I was wanting. If I do a cash out refinance at the end of this bird, it's about a 12% return. I was looking for tens. If I leave all the money in the deal, it's about an 8% return on my money, which I, I end up I might end up doing that. Um, so watching what's happening with, with remote work <clears throat> impacted how I'm investing. It can impact where you live too, like my nephew and my niece who moved to Texas. They have the same income that they had in near Tacoma, which is a higher cost of living area. They moved uh, to just outside of San Antonio, about 45 minutes. So it's just as rural as where they were living here. Mm. But they got acreage. Um, so they had a house here. They got twice the acreage, bigger house for mm. about 60% of what they would have paid here. Exactly. Just amazing. Just amazing. So the other thing I really want to talk about, this is what really stopped Olivia and I from getting rich in the very beginning was consumerism. Mm. The system. The United States economy is built on consumers, 67, 68%. If you don't understand that almost everything that happens during the day is because the system wants you to spend money, you're not paying attention. And to, I think something earlier that Matt said, you don't deserve it yet, <laughs> right? I made all the stupid decisions, right? Bought the stupid car, did this, did that, did it. You're going to end up on this treadmill. And if you don't, if you don't figure it out, it only gets harder and you're only one step away from bankruptcy. So mm -hmm. consumerism is what keeps most people trapped and broke. All these things we've talked about are great, but if you don't fix consumerism, you're not going to be rich AF. Matt, what do you think of all that? Yes, correct. That's exactly how it is. I, uh, you know, a majority of my wardrobe, I spend, I have a budget of $500 every other year that I spend on clothes. Oh. Mike, I've spent less on clothes than you spent on your nicest shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In five years. Yeah. No, five years. Not. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the thing is, is that do I wait for sales. Yeah. I buy my flannel in April <laughs> or May. And hope that I'm not too big next year to fit into it. But <laughs> thankfully, that's been a good trend. And so as you look at those things, again, it's the car idea. $1,000 a month on car and insurance. 1000 bucks. I'm free. Mine's free. And when you spent that one month's payment, I already bought a truck for that. I spent 600 bucks to fix it. $1,600. I'm in the car. My kids are in the car. It's safe. Is it anything to look at? No, it's a total hoopty. But it doesn't matter. And can I afford something more? Yes. But people that can't afford things, I'd be willing to bet that in 30 minutes, I could sit down with them and show them that they can afford almost anything that they want if they stop spending like a dope. Because that's what people do. They prioritize eating out. How many times a week do you eat out? I talk to a family because I do a lot of this, you know, a lot of the financial counseling stuff. And they're just like, yeah, we just can't make ends meet. And I was like, okay. I was like, send me your last two months of your ATM card yeah. and your credit card. And they, on average, ate out four times a week. No, as a family. As a family. We're That's talking about 
two bones a week. I was like $800. I was like, thankfully they didn't have car payments. They bought their, they had paid off their cars. Okay, good, good. You paid off your cars, but eight, eight, 800 bones a month mm. is what they were spending. And I'm like, your rent is 1600. You're spending half of what you're spending on rent. Imagine, could you think of it this way? No eating out for a year. Let's just get nuts. No eating out for a year, 800 bucks. That's $9,600. That gives you enough for a three and a half percent down payment on a house. And all you had to do was not eat out. There you go. It's the same thing that we see with tenants. Sadly, I'm a hands-on landlord <laughs> because I walk into these units and blood shoots out of my eyeballs. I see three flat panel TVs. I see the kid with an iPhone. I see the mom with an iPhone. I see her boyfriend with an iPhone. I see two gaming systems. I see 15 different games. I see newer furniture yeah. than I have. Yeah. So you wonder where your money's going. Let's say you didn't spend the thousand bucks to buy the iPhone. Let's just say you spent the 40 bucks a month. It's 40, 40 and 40. That's 120. Right. And mm -hmm. as you get into all this different stuff, it's death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. And so if for people that really want, you have a course, get your money right needs and wants, but the consumerism yeah. thing is real. That's what breaks people. It yeah. absolutely breaks them. And they have no idea. It's literally like boiling a frog. It's just like boiling a frog frog jumps in. It's not too hot. Doesn't jump out. And then it never jumps out again because it boiled over time. That's the same thing that happens to all of these people that just don't understand the system, how it works. And the fact that we are a spending economy, yeah. that's what we do. We are a consumerist economy. Yeah. On that end, I, I was really shocked by the buy now, pay later, just explosion. That, like that a happened. firm. Yeah. Yeah. Like a firm. Yeah. Oh. Buy now. It's just, come on guys. SoFi. Same so thing. Yeah, Awful. It's, it's just terrible. Terrible. Uh, consumerism, Dion, this is, this is a big one. This is this keeping up with the Joneses, whatever you want to call it. It holds more people back than yes. probably all the other stuff we've talked about. And it, it, it really is the, I lived it for a decade. Every time I made more money, we spent more money. It was just like, that's what you do. And, uh, that's not a good way to live. So there's one change I made that solved the consumerism problem for me. And a lot of people think I'm an uh, avoid life creep, not keep up with the Joneses, not spend more. And we forget how susceptible we are, right? Everybody, the people who listen to the Crash Bros for the last three years, so many of them thank the content creator for saving them from buying a house when they've had <laughs> record appreciation, rent skyrocketing, <clears throat> better interest rates, right? All of the reasons to buy, right? So to solve your consumerism problem, you need to fix your personal commercialism problem, but it's different than the way the word normally works. Stop watching commercials. Mm. Get rid of any streaming service that has a commercial and it pay for the extra Hulu to get rid of it, pay for the extra Prime to get rid of it, watch Netflix. You're already losing the time when you're watching shows anyway. You're are watching, you're paying for programming that you're watching where somebody with master's degrees or decades of experience on the right sound, the right image, the right repetition to get people to think, oh, it's totally normal. I should want a, a newer than two-year-old car, right? Every, every commercial has to put a big bow in the front yard and the spouse is super happy for the seven-year commitment of debt that the other spouse just committed us to and whatever commercial you're watching. Even including Super Bowl commercials, it's been a, more than a decade now since I've seen a commercial. I, oh, if, wow. if I'm watching something and there is a commercial on it because I'm at someone else's house, mute it. Don't fall for it. Hmm. Why buy things that someone else convinced you you needed so that your mind says, I've never seen that before, but I know I can't live without it. So I fixed yeah. my commercialism problem. For, for those eight years, I didn't do anything. And then all of a sudden at the eight year mark, I was like, Matt, yeah. Matt was like, I deserve it, right? It was I would deserve it because the income snowball had kicked in, financial mm -hmm. freedom had happened, work was completely optional. And now I'm like, oh, didn't eat out for eight years. So now I have a reverse budget on eating out. 
There is $2,000 every month that is my requirement. Not It's not my goal to spend less than. It's my goal to hit the $2,000 a month in eating out expenses. Yeah. If you do that in the first eight years, you'll never stop working, never have the option. Uh-uh. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it really came down to getting, I think and Matt talked about this, needs versus wants, right? We just had to become surgical. Yeah. And 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 get agreement, right? This was definitely a, a combined effort, Olivia and I, and even Teresa to some level. Uh, we had to really get on that. We were, man, we rode that for 12 or 13 years. And again, kind of the last thing we're going to talk about is your friend network. I know for a fact now, looking back, that our friends made fun of us. Oh, poor Michael, poor Olivia, small condo. Oh my God, did you see their kitchen? Oh my God, they only have one car. It's a company car. You know, oh my God, they don't have a backyard. You know, they they do staycations. I could, I could hear it all now. And in the, you know, that hurts. It hurts. And I've had times during the journey where I didn't know if it would work out. Um, but one thing I really harping on now that, that only hit me after the fact is we've got to change our circle of friends. You've got to get people going one direction. You can't be around five potheads. You're going to be the sixth. You can't be around five spenders. You'll be the sixth. Um, you've just got to change it up. Matt, what do you think about that? Ch- purposely changing your, your social circle. Yeah, without a doubt. usually it grows because people get tired of hearing about it. Right. And it's like, especially with me, you know, they're like, so what do you think about that? I was like, you don't want my opinion. (laughs) You don't want my opinion, you know? And that's, and that's the thing. And they're like, Oh, but look how you're living now. I go, it's paid for bro. It's paid for. Yeah. My mortgage is paid for every single month without my doing anything except for running my business. That's it. That's all it does. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we certainly, um, it was certainly like, I got Mike, you know, what being a top sales guy is. Oh yeah. I was rolling up in a 1992 Bonham. Yeah. It's really funny. Like, I, I don't know if this happened in, in you, but everyone, you know, we would, we, I was enterprise software. So we get new territories, yeah. new di- directors Absolutely. VPs Every year. all the time. Right. Yep. And I guarantee you if one of those new VPs rolled up, they didn't know who you were and they saw your car. Yeah. They'd be like, they would immediately pencil you as a loser. I was 22, 23 years old. I looked like one of the kids that belonged in the telemarketing department, Yep, but I wasn't. And I had to unceremoniously introduce myself to somebody that thought I was a loser. And I had to point to my name at the top of the board. Yeah. You see that one over there? That's yeah. See that one three X the next guys. Yeah. That's me. That's me. I was like, I don't leave the money in the parking lot. And the funny thing was, is that after I got to the point where I was making money, then yeah, I got, I, I got, you know, I wasn't pure as the driven snow with not spending money. I got bad before I got married mm-hmm. where I had multi, I had a Dodge Viper. I had an M5 Dynan S2. I had a show winning Escalade. Like I had really, I loved cars, mm-hmm. but, but it was really funny because my accountant says to me, he goes, so you're doing, and you're saving all this money living with friends spending 600 bucks a month and you've got 2,500 bucks a month worth of car payments. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Next. Because I was like, I was like, I spend so much time in my car. I want to really enjoy it. And so that was the one thing that I spent money on. But then when I got married, I said, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to just get rid of all that stuff. And I literally went down to a, a Joe blow car. I was driving a 1991 Buick Roadmaster, which is a cloud on wheels. So yeah, you're right. It's needs and wants and it's prioritization. And none of us, none of us ended up here by mistake. Yeah. One story, uh, I think I've shared this years ago, but it's really funny when you're in a software career, especially sales career as a, as a director or VP, I remember one of them telling me one time, they love to see their sales reps buy that new car. (laughs) Yeah. It's like they, they're just laddering up the internal pressure. Yeah. They, they love it when you buy a second home. They love it. They just, I mean, it's like, it's a sick feeling. It's like, why, why is Paul coming in so early? It's because Paul's got a $10,000 a month freaking habit mm-hmm. and he only makes 3000 base. So if he doesn't sail, he's going bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Right. So yep. I, I saw that. And I'm like, so you want them in worse financial shape. He's like, yep. I want them hungry. 
I I actually just rethought and didn't do a video because uh, uh, that's that's pushing it too far. Because <laughs> some of my tenants watch my content. We talked about it. We've we've actually talked about filming the binder strategy with them the next time. But uh, the video title was going to be only rent to people who, and then the video was going to be about buy things. Yeah. Buy nice things. I got a tenant who got rid of his pickup, sold his pickup because the payment was too big. Nice. So he got a, I always forget the name, Alfa Romero. Oh, yeah, that's cheap. So Alfa Romero, yeah. So that was his replacement for his pickup because his pickup cost too much. And this is one of his like four cars. And I'm thinking, your payments are more than the rent you're paying me. Oh, it has to be. So he's never going to buy. He's going to live there for decades it's the kind of tenant you see you have low tenant turnover by and i think that it was it, it's not the video i'm going to make so i i rethought that yeah it's probably not a good idea so, <laughs> because as an employer right running the school the same thing that instructor just bought a nice new rv that guy's gonna want all the overtime keep track of him yeah. or her same thing um it's it's good business mm-hmm. but it's also good business as the manager to go over there and go you realize that's why you're going to work forever, right? <laughs> yeah, you've got to audit your network. I mean, there are so many people that don't understand that it's it's your it's your five friends that you know. It really is true that if you showed me your five friends, I could predict your future. Mm-hmm. It just is. Uh, you've got to you've got to. And again, I want to tell people that's a constant evolution for me. I my friend circle has changed four or five times over the last two decades. Because I'm always trying to grow and, and get bigger and, you know, be in new circles. So it's it's purposeful. At the end of the day, you are in a system. The entire U.S. economy is a system. It is a framework. You can do nothing and just fall into the gears, which you will be a robot, a drone. You're going to live paycheck to paycheck. You're probably going to be fat. You might, you know, the numbers say you'll be divorced. Right. The average American, the average American adult is divorced, broke and overweight. You're in a system. If you don't, if you want to just acknowledge the matrix, you can move within it. Uh, All three of us were not in great spots to begin with, but we just understood there was a system. We made choices that others don't. So I want to go back to kind of how we started. I really do believe that you could be rich as AF or wealthy, whatever you want to call it, making 50K a year. And the big thing I'm trying to harp on now is 50K a year can be a job, or you could start building something slowly on the side that over years becomes the 50K. Mm -hmm. They're all out there for you. So uh, Matt, what do you think of all that? Yes, as the entrepreneur in the group that is the only one still with a W-2. (laughs) That is weird. The yeah. only entrepreneur and the only W-2, uh-huh. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's because I didn't choose. I wanted both because I'm dumb. And so that's what I do. I literally work two full-time jobs. I have my full-time job that's a W-2 and I have my full-time job that is managing my business and properties and all that goes with that. But that's exactly right. I mean, at the end of the day, all of us made choices and none of us started in a place where like, we're making all the best financial decisions. no. no. We all started in a horrible place. You guys were, you you and Olivia were way overspending. Dion had about a bunch of debt that he didn't know about and had to scale down. You know, there's all of these decisions that we make on the daily, right? We've driven junk cars. We've eaten at cheap rest, waited for the sales. I wait for the Domino's $6.99 deal pickup. I wait for all of those types of food deals to even feed my family. Because if we're going to do it, we're going to do it as inexpensively as possible. So we get, so it hurts less, it's less money. So yeah, if you want to understand needs and wants, if you want to understand, you know, that 50 grand a year, it absolutely can make you rich. It absolutely can. There is no doubt in my mind. That's one of the reasons that I teach my kids. We go out yard sailing almost every weekend, every single summer. They're going to be killers when they're 18. Oh my word. It's even Samuel now, even my oldest now, he's six years old, even my oldest now. And it's like, people are like, well, you just shouldn't look at everything and you know how much money it makes. I, okay. Okay. Then enjoy writing your poetry and being broke forever. Yeah. Like, you do I'm, you. Going to, I'm going to do I'm, me. 
I'm going to teach my kids how to run a business, how to find value, how to learn markets. I mean, my kids learned the market of Skylander action figures. And so we were able to show up and we're like, yeah, we'll buy all of them for 30 bucks. And then it was like, we could sell a few of them. And then he'd get to keep all the other ones for free. There you go. Like, this is what, you know, and we've done it with sports cards and you name it, we've done it with it and comic books and you name it. But everybody can find that thing that they're really into. Maybe it's sports cards. Maybe it's comic books. Maybe it's beer steins. Who knows? Who cares? But if there's something that you really love and you already know a decent amount about the market, learn more and turn it into something that operationally you can get better at. And then have it just feed whatever, spend money from that side hustle. And then have your W-2 that you use that you save up and you do life with. You know, it's really funny. I was, you know, you guys both know I'm training for a marathon. So I'm doing a lot of long runs and I, I, you know, I turn on long videos. So it just makes the time go by faster. I listened to Ryan Pineda interview Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler, if you don't know, was Mr. Olympia four four times. And what I loved about the conversation was... Jay said he basically lived in a box, right? He didn't do anything else. All right, if you want to become the best at something, if you have something that lights you on fire, Mm -hmm. go all in. This whole idea that drives me crazy now is diversification. I want to dabble. I want to be a dabbler. No, if you want to get rich AF in anything, you can't be a dabbler. If you want to be in the top five or 1% of whatever you want to do, stop being a dabbler. If you get to Dion's point where you have 16 coming in and you spend four, do whatever the hell you want. Right. Until you're at Dion's point, shut up. <laughs> Just shut up. Mike. <laughs> Dion, what do you think of all that? Well, I, I'll wrap up with something I've wrapped up many videos with. The, most of this video was about the choices you make. Do you house hack? Do you relocate? Do you look at your taxes? Do you have a budget? The next 10 years are going to happen. You're going to be alive in 10 years. You might as well start investing like it. The choices we've talked about in this video, we're talking about the past. This is your now and your future. Make those choices now because in 10 years, do you want to look back and think, wish I, shoulda, coulda, or do you want to think, I'm so glad I did? With that, please follow Dion at Dion Talk and follow Matt, the Lumberjack Landlord. Guys, you're amazing. Thank you. Thanks, Mike.